0: The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. What do you say to others with your life? You think of some people and they make a statement about themselves or what they're doing with just who they are. You think of somebody like Bill Gates and immediately you think of technology and the computers or Cesar Chavez and his work for helping the migrant farmers Or Martin Luther in reforming the church. Or Martin Luther King Jr. in his work for civil rights in our country. They were all saying something with their life. Now you might consider that question for yourself and say, yeah, but those were great people. They did big things, and and so it was easy to see what they were saying with their life. But Me, I'm just, you know, one of those little people. Kind of insignificant. But yet we do say something with our lives, don't we? Maybe people view you as being a kind and friendly person. Or a hard, dedicated worker. Somebody who's smart. Somebody who's supportive. So we do send messages with our life. But more importantly, what message do you send with your faith? There's a little statement that goes something like this. Most people will never read the Bible or hear a sermon except for the one that you live with your life. What do you say with your faith? As we continue a series of messages entitled Real People, looking at specific people from the Bible who were real and seeing how their lives were real lives just like ours, you see how God has blessed and affected our life as he has touched it. Today we want to look at Cain and Abel. Now when I tell you Cain and Abel, probably the thing that comes to mind is what? Murder. (laughs) But there's another message that comes to us from the lives of Cain and Abel. And that is the sacrifice of faith. Let's hear the New Testament commentary about those Old Testament brothers as the writer to the Hebrews says this in chapter 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, He was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so, you see, Cain and Abel are not really known in the New Testament because of that murder, but because of their offerings, their sacrifice of faith. But exactly what was going on that that murder happened? Well, let's take a look at the inside story. Let's take a look at the details of that account To see exactly what was going on, and that will take us inside of them. The offering is depicted for us in Genesis chapter 4. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look. With favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Now we don't know exactly how it came about, but it's clear that somewhere in the beginning of time, God made clear to his people how he wanted them to worship him. It involved bringing offerings and sacrifices. They were to take a portion of what God had given them and they were to return it to the Lord as a means of giving thanks to him, acknowledging that this blessing came from him and also expressing their trust in his promises and his future provision for them. Now, we don't know what exact instructions were given, but we do see that these brothers came forward with Possessions that they had. They gave an offering from what the Lord had given them. Cain brought some grain that he had produced, grown, and Abel brought some flock. And yet we see that there was some kind of a difference between their offerings because the Lord looked favorably upon Abel's, but not favorably upon Cain's. What was the difference? Well, some people like to look at the details and see, well, Cain brought some grain and and Abel brought instead some flock. And maybe that's why the Lord was displeased. I don't think that's it at all. Because when you read farther in the Old Testament, you see that the Lord had actually told the people to bring grain offerings and some of the flocks. But maybe the difference was in the quality It's noted about Abel's offering that he brought the fatty portions, the best part of that meat, and the first fruits, the best of his flock. It doesn't give us that description of Cain's offering, but that didn't mean that it wasn't the best either. What we do see as different is what that commentary in Hebrews points out for us. If you look at that passage again, you see the word faith highlighted over and over. Abel brought his offering to the Lord out of faith. And so let's look a little deeper at the inside story, because there we see that these offerings are a matter of the heart. So what was the difference in these two brothers then in regard to their heart? Well, we know that both were born with a natural heart condition that's called sinful. Genesis tells us that God created Adam and Eve in his image. One that was perfect, one that was holy, one that desired to do God's will. But then it tells us that Adam brought forth his children in his image. Now human beings were born with a spiritual DNA that was no longer holy. It no longer knew, no longer wanted, and no longer would obey God's will. That was clear. But if that's true, then how is it that these two brothers are worshiping? That's because something else happened to their heart. God stepped in to change their hearts. To convert the hearts of man from disobedience to obedience and love. God did it simply with his faithfulness, with his love. God simply reminded the people, told the people that he was a forgiving God. And with that, he called the people to him. And so Cain and Abel's heart, just like their parents, were already changed, already had been converted from sinful ways now desiring to serve the Lord because of his mercy. But yet, like Cain and Abel and every other human being, you and I know that there's still another condition in our heart, a conflict that goes on, because there is that old Adam, that sinful nature that still resides in us, along with that new nature that God has changed, that God has converted. And so there is a struggle that goes on inside of us. The Apostle Paul talked about it in Galatians 5. He said, The flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. We know what that's like, don't we? We know the good we want to do and ought to do and yet we find ourselves not doing it. And yet there are times too when we know the good and we do the good because the spirit of God is within us, strengthening us. So what was going on then inside Cain? He brings an offering but it's not accepted by God. The answer was, it was not given out of faith. Now, we're not sure exactly what that means. Certainly, he must have known that God existed. Otherwise, he would not have been bringing an offering, right? Unless he was simply going through the motions, because that's what was expected of him by others. But more so than that, it was probably the why in which he was presented his offering. He wasn't doing it like his brother Abel whom God said was righteous, righteous by faith. That is, he was holding on to that promise of a merciful God to send a Savior and make him right, not by what he was doing, but by what what God would do for him. That seems to be the difference. Abel's offering was not one that was brought out of thankfulness or faith or trust in a merciful God. And for that reason, God did not accept it. But yet there's one more part to this story about the matter of the heart. And that is God's call to Cain. His call to each one of us when we continue in our sin. God reaches out to us to call us back to be faithful to him. Listen as God now converses with Cain. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. God was giving a warning to Cain and to us to watch out for that sinful desire, that sin that crouches at the door, that's ready to pounce on us and devour us. And instead of listening to it, God calls us to listen to him, to come back to him, to know his mercy, and to express our trust and our thanks for it. What does your faith say? Do you recognize the inside story of your heart? Do you recognize that natural condition that we all have and that conflict that goes on day after day? Do you know that God has reached out to you and changed you with his grace, who has shown you mercy, who has forgiven you, who has made you right through what Jesus has done for you? now. It's from that heart that God calls us to come to him. God wants us to come to him in faith. He wants us to follow him in faith. He wants us to come and to worship and to serve with thankful hearts. And yet, we know that there's still sin crouching at the door. Sin that's ready to pounce on us. Sin that wants to call us away from God we hear God's calling to us. Now we are at the threshold of summer and people's schedules and activities begin to change. Sometimes that means we relax a little bit on even our church attendance. Listen for God's call and let his spirit work through the word and through the sacraments to keep changing you, to keep moving you to live with the sacrifice of faith. That is a faith and a life that exists to thank God, a faith and a life that simply trusts in his mercy and his all-providing grace. When you hear God's calling and see how he's changing your heart, then moved by the Spirit, you will step forward and come to God with the sacrifice of the writer to the Hebrews continues on in his commentary about this sacrifice of faith, reminding us of the better life that we have. Here's what he says. We have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. He's urging us to look at where our faith is, is focused. He's urging us then to walk and step with that spirit who has given us that faith as he reminds us of the motivation we have which is that great sacrifice that was made for us. I don't know exactly when God started to teach his people about sacrifice. Maybe it already was with Adam and Eve with the animal that God killed, to take its fur and to use that to cover the nakedness and the shame of Adam and Eve. Maybe he was already teaching them that sin kills, but through the death of another there would be a covering for our shame. I don't know exactly how Cain and Abel were taught about sacrifice. Did they know that it was through the shedding of blood that there would be the forgiveness of sin? But I do know this, that God provided the greatest sacrifice for us, because it would not be through any sacrifice I made. It would not be through the sacrifice of any animal that could save me, but through the sacrifice of the perfect Son of God, Jesus, who came into this world and lived perfectly under God's laws for us, to give us that obedience that we need before God, Jesus, who gave his life as a sacrifice on the cross, enduring the wrath of God for our guilt so that we would be free, innocent, and unpunished. Jesus, who takes up his life again, raised from the dead to assure us we are forgiven, there is no penalty for our sin, and we will be given the gift of eternal life. It's that great sacrifice that provides for us the motivation. Because when we see what has been done, we realize it's the greatest thing possible. We have been rescued from eternal damnation and been given eternal life. And now our life is filled with abundant blessings. Through each and every situation, God is there to bless us from conception to the final resurrection we are blessed by god because of the sacrifice of jesus it's because of that then that god calls us to live with a sacrifice of faith the means by which he wants us to do that starts with the heart where we trust what god has done for us and are moved to thankfulness for each and every blessing and that greatest blessing of eternal life through Jesus. It continues on then to our head, which not only recognizes that blessing, but knows what God's plan is, his desire for all to be saved, and for that plan to be carried out through the proclamation of the gospel. And so we know then that our hands are active in sacrifice, giving back to God a portion of what he has given us, giving to him from our time and using our abilities to serve him in proclaiming the gospel. And so there are three simple things to follow, to live, to make a statement with your faith, to show the sacrifice of faith, the sacrifice of Christ, and what you do to express your trust and faith in it. And that first is to give to God with a sense of trust in Jesus. Trust in him for your salvation. Trust in him to provide for all of your needs. It's living in such a way that what you are doing is honoring God with your offerings and with your service and doing it for the very purpose of proclaiming him to others. That, my friends, is living with the sacrifice of faith. There are many opportunities for us to put that to work there's one particular opportunity that I'd like to share with you this morning it reflects to me back on the gospel account that we had before with the widow who was giving her two simple coins in the temple and God commented on her trust that sacrifice of faith we too can take our mites our coins and use them in a very important and expressive way, and that is to help some orphans in Haiti. Let me tell you about them. Haiti, that country in the Caribbean, you know, has been devastated by earthquakes and by hurricanes and tropical storms. The disaster is everywhere. Living conditions are horrible, many people just living in tents. And yet, beyond that disaster, there's even a greater need. We've responded as a church body to the needs there by sending down support to provide homes, medicine, food, and hugs. But the need goes deeper than just their outward need because within that country there's another disease, the illness of voodoo, which is the national religion that country and very difficult for Christianity to make its way into that country but we've gone down there and the gospel has provided the healing that's necessary there are two men who work there one a national pastor Abraham Rona and the other a medical doctor Terry Schultz who has now dedicated his life to serving the orphans there, those children who have lost their parents because of the disasters or because of the rampant disease. They have gone there and providing healing through the gospel, baptizing those children, bringing them the love of Jesus so they know their Savior. The children can be saved from the horrors of voodoo. Our church is involved with eight different orphanages there serving hundreds of children and their need is great their need for physical care as well as spiritual care our missionaries go there and they conduct little classes and activities by which they share the gospel with the children and they come to know Jesus and believe in him recently a couple from our church went down there to assist the missions by filming so that we can get the word out to others about their need and what they discovered was that right now they have a great need for water we're kind of familiar with that huh but not in the same way that they need it you know we still have reservoirs and turn on our taps and get clean water they don't have that water has to be brought in by a truck and put into the cistern every month It costs hundred and fifty dollars and they strain and struggle to get that $150 and then multiply that by eight orphanages. That water, when it sits for a while, becomes contaminated and is no longer useful. The need for that water for their life is great. Those children need that. But they also need the water of God's grace. Our Mission Awareness Committee would like us to take on a special project an opportunity for us to simply take our mites, our coins, and with the sacrifice of faith, bring the gospel to these children. This morning, when you leave, you'll have the opportunity to pick up at the door a little water cup. And on it, there's a sticker that says, Change for the Haiti Orphans. Our minimal goal is to collect $1,800 in coins which will supply a year's worth of water for just one of those orphanages. Now we're just asking for your change. Now when I go to the store, I get change, I throw it in my pocket and I don't like it there, so then I throw it in the car or throw it in a jar or something at home. I never really use it again. We're asking you to take your change and put it in this cup and then bring it back. And we have a large water jug sitting out there in the entryway and to pour it in there. And I think our change can help. Not because of the amount, but because of the sacrifice that Jesus made and now our sacrifice of faith to say, we want to make a difference. We want that gospel to be brought to those children. So it really comes down to this. What are you saying with your faith? A few days ago, we celebrated Memorial Day. We honored those who made a sacrifice of their life to give us freedom. That's what they said with their life. We know what Jesus said with his life, a great sacrifice to give us freedom and life. Now it's our turn to live with a sacrifice of faith in worshiping and honoring Christ and in serving him in whatever way we can. From our heart to the hearts of others. That's the sacrifice of faith. Amen.